listening to Free Beers and a Movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 296 of Three Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Hello. Hello, Colin. It's nice to see you again on a Thursday evening. Uh, a Thursday evening, yeah. I've been off work all week. I'm back at work tomorrow and I'm feeling a bit glum. So you need to, you need to cheer me up. Very odd going back on a Friday. It doesn't make much sense to me. I know. I figured, I figured I'd, I'd go in on a Monday and I'd go in on a Friday. It's one day and it's dead easy because you go in and I'll just I'll piss about for a day. And then Fair I'll point. Rather than going back in, you're hitting a full week at one time. That, exactly. That, I, I do get that logic a little bit. Yeah, I understand yeah, that now. Just, Ease myself in, then I've got the weekend as well, so in tomorrow, off the weekend, then back in, yeah, my kind of gently reset, so a, a gentle reset, almost. Uh, I was not yeah. smart enough to do that, I'm off till Monday, and I'm back <laughs> in a week off, and I'll be hating Monday, probably. You, you will be hating, Monday. the first day is always worse than it was, it's just like, I don't yeah. want to be here, anywhere but here. Anywhere anyway, but here, it's, yeah, the idea of, like, you go away for a week and nothing changes, you come back and it's all exactly the same shit. Yeah, that scares me, you get off the bus and you're, in, you're just caught up in the rat race immediately and you're like this is yeah this is horrible <laughs> the enjoyable week you had and when things were life is great and you could chill out and relax and do things your own pace mm. just disappears in, in that instant that's the thing I don't know if I'm getting old or not but I've had this week off and I've done nothing with it I've just like kind of lazed about do you know what I mean like, I, I don't often get time to just lounge and stuff yeah. like that so I've done a lot of lounging just monging about watching nonsense TV yeah um, I've been busy in mine but I feel I'm doing, I'm doing it my own pace which I think mm. I'm going to enjoy more yeah. Nothing's, been ru- nothing's been rushed. It's just, I'll, I'll do it when I'm ready yeah. to do it. Yeah. Oh, we've been out for dinners, we've been out for lunches, we've been places, but it's always been at like, we'll do it now. Yeah, that's fine, we'll do it now. I, I, it's always nice when you're not on an agenda and it's just, like, go on pace and enjoy it. Yeah. Aye, it's Done not finishing working and wrapping up and then running out and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just all on pace. It's very nice. Anyway, well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and stop being old men. Se- sedentary gentlemen at the well, yes. yes. We are now, yes. <laughs> Um, are you drinking anything of note tonight for um um no, not well it's not it's not of note it's it's the always impressive star of Pramen. nice yeah check. so check beer yeah always um if it's on tap in a pub that's my my go go for one day yeah it's a fine drink star of Pramen. That's, i don't even need to big it up it's just good because <laughs> yeah, it's very nice <laughs> what are you drinking i am drinking a cup of tea because mm. i am literally an old man now so <laughs> Yeah, you are. Um, beer for next time, Mister. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the reason why I'm doing it. I literally have no beer in the house right now. Uh, uh, stop the delivery. The the beer. I've got one coming that's sitting in the Yodo centre just now. That I have to go and pick up. But um, just having a chance to go and get it. But yeah, so I don't actually have any beer in the house right now to drink. So. Cool. Next next week. Next Next week. Yes. An impressive beer, not just a beer, a beer that says... I'll find something relatively interesting, yeah. A beer that um, says, look at me. <laughs> look at me, look at my beer. Um, let's go quite quick, we've actually quite a lot to get through, because I've watched a shit ton this week, and you've watched a fair bit as well, so we'll try and get through a lot a tonight. Yep. Yeah, so let's start very quickly, basing uh, on The Mandalorian finale, we did talk about last week. You'd mm. seen it, I hadn't, I've now seen it. I enjoyed the finale. I thought it, the finale was a, a really solid villain finale. It series concluded. overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Series overall, I would think was kind of subpar. I would mm, say, yeah, definitely maybe like the a, worst season by far. Maybe a C minus, maybe a D plus, possibly something around yeah. about then. It's not. Yeah, it just it felt a little bit. It was like two or three possible standout episodes, yeah, and the rest were all yeah. complete fluff. Do you know I mean for, yeah. for like a finale kind of season as well that you would expect like a kind of constant high, but well, Apparently season four's written, but season three felt quite definitively ended. Like see like it was um, all ended. Did you yeah, think that as well? I thought so as well. Um but they're not talking about the movie, the Mandalorian movie or Well, they think they're talking about doing something like, like bringing a character into movies, but um Favreau says season four is all written and ready to go and they're starting to start filming soon. So Well, um let's hope they're not just gonna drag it to death now, because we've yeah. seen we've seen the dip in quality, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's a slippery slope from there. So, but enjoy, mm. but enjoyable finale. If not, it, it was it's not, quite. It's not the greatest season, an enjoyable finale. Quite action packed and and, yes. and fun and kind of well paced and stuff like that as well. And it was, yeah, I, I kind of got cool. I'm quite happy with how this is all wrapped up, and I was quite definitive on, yeah, that's it now, done. Like it I accepted like, the final shot, just felt like, an, like a proper end shot. Mm-hmm. But the final mm. second was like that. Feels like a, that feels like a full stop on this story. Yeah, but we're, we're done. We don't need to know anymore. But uh-huh. it's, it's, it's Disney being Disney, isn't it? They're going to 
unless it's the next season, the Mandalorian isn't the Mandalorian. It's more about the Mandalorian. You know, it's like the, all the whole it. society and Mandalorians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, I quite enjoy that one as well. Yeah. Um, again, Pedro's he he's fucking got paid a shit ton for doing nothing, hasn't he? <laughs> really. I mean, really would be intrigued to know how much he was on set for that whole show. I don't think, if, if at all, I think he's just all voice. You never think he's helmet off once in the whole show? I know, I know. And only, I think it's the only one he's done it, hasn't it? Uh-huh, so. I think season one and season two, at least it's, it's all for a little, it's all, even just for like a, a brief scene. It's just to see. You know, final now, because the way season three picked up and where season two ended, the emotional impact of where season two ended is now kind of lost. Yeah. Aye, totally. Because essentially it was negated it's within like 10 minutes of season three Aye. starting. Aye, it was like, that's cool, it's fine. Aye, it's like, it's like Newt dying and, um, or sorry, not Newt dying, Aye, it's like it's like Newt living in, in Aliens, mm. but then killing her off off screen in Alien 3. is like, well, it seems like... Aye, what, what was the point in that? Was there a, <laughs> was there a decision? Is <laughs> there yeah. a meeting or something? Yeah, yeah. it's that so odd. So, but again, it's just Disney. They'll just they'll, they'll do it. They'll fucking water it down to get to a point where it's just nonsense and people stop watching and they'll stop making it. I guess. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it mostly. Enjoyed it mostly. I um, did not mind that at all. It was a, a, a decent finale. Yeah. yeah. Anything else I know you've watched this week that you want to bring to the floor? Um, I'm still watching Rebels um, in preparation what? for the show. I'm tearing my way through that, so I think I'm heading towards the third season now, quite possibly, right. and starting to. First two seasons were a bit kind of kiddie light, and then the third season is is quite serious, like different animation right. style as well. And you can see the characters are a bit more kind of grown up. So I don't know if they they realise that you know that there's a proper full fleshy story here. Let's go a bit more kind of adult animation on it, and uh-huh. to, to kind of rein in the whole kind of initial style they had, which is right. kind of weird, weird to do. It's a, bit of a weird change, but I'm enjoying it still. Starting to bring in characters that. I've been waiting to see for a long time and starting nice. to understand why characters are going to pop up now in a show and stuff like that based on the trailer. So yeah, it's been nice. been fun. But that's that's really the only TV I've watched. Um, I think I slung in an episode of Barry. Me and Lorraine started watching that. Still mm-hmm. enjoyable. And um, we're kind of on and off that every now and again. It's still still good fun as well. Um, yeah. Hitman, who's, who's an actor. Can't go wrong. It's a good. I'm going to watch it. Um, it's one of the things good. that's on my list now after a couple of things. It's definitely my next thing. Yeah. Thank you for wrapping up this season as well. I think this is the last one because it's getting kind of majorly kind of pushed on Sky. It's all by Aye. everywhere just now. So I think I think so. Yeah, sure. but in, enjoyable show. Um, you, you like it? Oh, is it quite short? Half hour? Twenty-five minutes per episode. So you just I just rattle through it, but it's just really dark and kind of twisted. I've heard I, 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 a lot of people okay. know who, who I, who know who I like have told me I, I would very much um, vibe on this. So I would yeah. definitely go into it. Check you out using the cool kid words out vibe on this. Vibe like on this, yeah. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I know my TikTok. Um, well, I'll maybe bring up some awesome stuff I've watched then, calls it. This is sort of. Um, well, non cinema. I watched um, the latest DC animation, which is Batman the Doom Came to Gotham. Gotham. Oh, tell me it's about that. Essentially, it's sort of like a HP Lovecraft sort of went on like a Batman story. It's written by Mike Magnolia, who obviously did. Um, very famous doing Hellboy. He's a creator mm. of that um, sort of character, and it has one of his takes on uh, based on one of his comics. Uh, he done a Batman run many years ago. Um, very enjoyable, very very, very decent. Um, DC animation I've generally enjoyed um, a fair bit. Um, it didn't try and bring in all the characters. Actually, I think from what I saw, what a member of the, of the, the comic it stuck to the story quite quite, quite well. yeah. strongly, which I thought I, I really enjoyed. You know, the some of the temptations are like well. This, this story has really got a lot of people who know in it. Like, so it's got, like, say, for example, well, it's got Cobblepot in it, but it's like, well, can we not bring the Joker up? Can we not bring, like, Harley Quinn in? Can we not do this kind of thing, do that? You know, and it didn't, it resisted us to do that. So, um, and it wasn't really a name cast either. It was quite a. Hmm. <coughs> like, who, was was lo- who was voicing Batman? I don't even recognise the person who was doing Batman, actually. That was a weird thing. It was sort of a. Because like, usually there's one or two names that you let know if I get who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because I think recently was it not Jeremy? Not not Nevin. Who is it? Um. The guy we like. He's in Mass. Oh, uh, the Harry Potter guy. Ah, uh-huh. he was doing. Oh, Jason Superman Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. He was. He was doing yeah. Superman at one point and. Yeah, was Peter well. Weller not doing Batman at one point recently as yeah, well? Yeah, I think he might have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, 
What I've always found with the DC, particularly Batman, as you say, is they do try and cram in as many villains as they can with the animation, don't they? Yeah. They, they, go, they always tend to go heavy on the villains, like three or mm-hmm. four, five sometimes, and you're like, come on, just let it breathe. Um, it's David Guntoli who played Batman. Um, he's, in, he's the main guy in Grimm. I don't know if you watched the Grimm TV show. You know, as I really like Grimm when it was on. Um, very disposable, silly, always in the show. Yeah. Uh, he also he's done a couple of Batman. He's done Batman a few times um, recently. He must seem to kind of go to guy. Um, but yeah, he's sort of the biggest. He's Batman, and everybody else doesn't really recognize. The biggest name in it was probably David Dashmalchin. He popped up in it as a name. He's not um, a huge straw for his own. Aye. Um, but it's, a lot, it's just a lot of like voice actors' names that you'll recognize from. You know, from everything else, you know, mm. you've seen them in any other show, but um, aye, um, probably Talia Ghoul was probably the biggest name, like sort of other character in it. So yeah, it, it's a lot going for it. It's like it's only be eighty-two minutes or something long as well. So <coughs> I enjoyed it for what it was. How how was the Batman deal with old tech and stuff for that? Was that quite well done? It was cool. It's, aye, the whole like, the world built was really well done throughout it. Um. And again, it was almost kind of like it's 1920s Gotham, but it's a bit kind of steampunky 1920s Gotham. It's a little bit, it's it's different. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was it's it's a decent. It, it felt like an El, it is an Elseworld story, which it yeah. and it felt like that. You know, it's this alternate take on what the Batman could be. There's no Superman in it, obviously. There's none of that kind of stuff in it. Mm. So <coughs> but yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, I found it on Rakuten. You can get it for like uh, a You can rent it on like Apple TV, you know, like and Amazon and that kind of stuff. So I'll oh, maybe have a wee nosey on that. I do like the old DC animation. They always, they always have thing. So yeah. Yes. The sold. Um, sold. Uh, there you go. So talk about a couple of films that I managed to catch up on eventually. You saw this one ages ago called You Saw Beast in the Cinema, from what I remember. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, Big Idris Elba taking on a lion that's taking all, out your family and friends. Pretty much, uh, yeah. It's like Jaws. But a lion. But a lion. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had very low expectations for this, but I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I think you were the same. You enjoyed it a lot more than you thought you would. It's yeah, just it's kind of what it is. It's what it is. But I thought Big Idris gave like sort of really good dad energy in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, he it wasn't. Just... It wasn't a bad ass in it until maybe the last ten minutes make him a bit silly. Yeah. When he's, you know, essentially, you know, he, he was like a kind of sensible character. Like, uh, oh, yeah, no. that that's quite a smart thing to do. That's not. Fucking dad, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not the rock, he's not going to go and punch a lion in the face and That's stuff. That's like the that. thing, yeah, he, he yeah. panicked like a dad would get panicked. He, he wasn't like he wasn't just throwing fisticuffs with a lion and trying to take it on mano mano, you know. So, yeah, the South African boy was really good in it as well. I don't know, what's his name? Oh, the, he's in the shelf, 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 is it? Oh. Sheldon Copley or something, Sheldon Copley or something. Some, some yeah. Weird, yeah, but he was good in yeah. as well. I enjoyed him. He's, I always he's... think of him as like sort of the South African version of the guy we like from um, what we do in the shadows. Which one? The one who plays the werewolf. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, he's um, a South African version of that. <laughs> but he always yeah. impresses me. He always plays really good characters. So he's like, yeah. I think he always brings a little bit of energy to them, which I think yeah. is good. Like kind you of know, madness, uh, he's a wee bit kind of, he's a bit crazy. He's got that, like I said, he's, he's like that guy, the kind of energy on the guy's name now, but he's got that kind of like Reese Darby. He's got that uh, kind of Reese Yeah, Darby. Uh, yeah like that the kind of, of fecklessness. That energy. Yeah, when you root for him because he's feckless sometimes, you're like, oh, he's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah he seems like yeah. an unlikely hero. So yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. What did you think of the CGI? It, at times was lacking. Um, but they did make a decision quite wisely not to have the line on screen for a lot of times. Yeah. You know, it's very much the tension of, like, is the line here? Could it be here? And if it was there, it was flying through the screen at high speed that you wouldn't really notice. Which they did, they did quite well, the whole tension building, I thought. It kind of held you. Yeah. You were kind of quite exasperated by the end of, like, kind of, you know, fuck, where's this one? Yeah. It, it, it buzzes along at, what, like, 90 minutes or something? Yeah. It was pretty, pretty brief, so it sets the world up very quickly, moves into the main action, then you get basically got a survival story for the mm. next, like, hour and a bit. And that's yeah. it. And it's for what it is, it's totally, it's absolutely yeah. passable for Friday night entertainment. I think I gave it a six out of ten. I remember rightly. Really. I gave it a six and a half out of ten. If I can give it yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyable nonsense. Yeah, pure popcorn. Enjoyable. It's it's a completely, completely happily watch Friday night movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well done, sir. Yeah, I watched that. I also watched ones. Um, one's called Ennis Men, which is a, it's a very fucking weird psychological horror film that's on uh, Apple Plus. It's um. 
this woman who's basically on this like island off the do- off the, I think, I think it's off the Cornish coast, right. and she's basically documenting like the um, not the fungus, what's in the moss and the plants, and she starts to have this possible psychological breakdown and starts like to turn into a plant and having like the ghosts of the the the, the people lost at sea are kind of haunting her on the island and things like that. That um, sounds quite creepy. It's very creepy, but it's it's very much it's a very non-traditional horror sort of. It's like all about, you know, it's just it's almost like a, it's almost like you remember you saying you go to like an like an art gallery and you see something on the screen and it's like a an art installation video mm. of just imagery, almost without yeah. any real story. It it feels like that. Oh, that's not good. It's just it, going purely aesthetics. Like look at this. It, kind of yeah, and just sort of it's it's very low budget as well. Um, and somebody will just like, will just like shoot like a pair of shoes walking for like a, like for like thirty seconds, and I'm and you're kind of going, is this important? Like what's what's happening? <laughs> you know, um, or it'll be like you were looking at something, and it'll keep going back and forth a shot, like it just getting closer and closer, facing close closer. I think she's looking at it and I'm going, I, all I see is like a black hole. I don't what, what am I like what we supposed to see? So it's very much one of those kind of films. It's sort of it's your interpretation of what's happening and stuff like that, and. So yeah. it had it had some decent wee scares in it, it had some decent wee jumps in it, um, and it does kind of get into your bones and into your into your sort of veins. But um, it's a one time watch. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just is it just badly written, or is it the director's got an idea that you've got to fucking get? No, I think he's definitely. This is what he's going for because his first film, I can't remember the name of it, but his first film he like wrote, shot, directed, edited, um, done like he produced the print of it as well and done it all by himself. This one he's had to take more people on because it's a colour print, but it looks very much like a 1970s horror film. It's got even got like kind of the degradation in the yeah. the film things like that and like the main character's wearing a jacket. Is it no way? No, don't look now. It's a red jacket. She's wearing a yellow yeah. jacket. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, red. Red jacket. Yeah. It's got wee kind of homages to things like that, and it's very much got that kind of feel to it. That something's fucked up. You're not really sure what it is, but it's not one for everyone. I think I was watching it and going, Colin would hate this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's 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 um like sort of elevated horror as opposed to the kind of horror you enjoy, which is yeah. more like you know your blood gut slasher gore horror. Yep. Out of ten, sir. I'd probably give it a seven for what I enjoyed at the time, but I probably would like I said, I'm never going to watch it again. Never. Gone, one and done. That's it. One and right, done. And I, I, one, I, yeah, sure, avoid that on your your chat. I'll say not to that one. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's one for you. No one. It's definitely not for you. Is one called Skinner which is um, a film that's made for fifteen thousand dollars. It's very much an indie horror film, um, and it's sort of done kind of big noise at the Toronto Film Festival. Uh, it's now found its way to Shudder, um, and this is like even more of a fucking art installation than Ennis <laughs> uh, Men. It's it feels like it's just it's all just static shots with like noises off camera essentially. It's probably trying to channel the energy of like Blair Witch Project or like mm. Paranormal Activity, but I found it excruciatingly fucking bad to watch. Oh no. Um, there's good. like there's there's some jumps in it because of the way they sort of the edit and the, and the sort of the noise they kind of the, the soundscape. Yeah. But <coughs> let's just say an hour and forty minutes it tested my patience within the first fifteen minutes. I was um oh, fuck. I was struggling to commit to to the rest of it, to be honest. This um, is brilliant. Uh, where did you get? Where did you watch this? Sorry, what was this on? Shudder. Shudder. Did you pay for yeah. this? Yeah. No. You paid for well, Shudder subscription. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's that's not so bad. Um. Anybody famous in it at all? No, not at all. Not at all. It was barely even <laughs> on camera. There's almost no one on camera. Um. A lot of critics seem to like it. Like they seem to enjoy what the sort of the idea of like the artistry of it and the sort of build of tension and things like that. Hmm. But looking at what. I've, like reviews very briefly, it feels it's very much splitting or the middle. And that some people I think seem to want to say they like it just to say they liked it, just to try and appear a little bit fancier. Yeah. Whereas yeah. people just going like, well, that was felt right. kind of pointless. And I'm yeah. definitely in the it felt kind of pointless mindset of it. Cool. So Skinnerlink, not one to watch. Skinnerlink, yeah, I would say definitely avoid that one. Out of ten, go for it. Oh, fucking dear. Oh, see, I'd have, I'd have been like one when it fucking. I mean, the guy, the guy spent 15k of his own money and got a film made to go out in the Toronto Film Festival and made his money, made more than his money back on, like, you know, cinema release and VOD and stuff like that. So, what it's doing for doing that part of it? I don't know if it still is, but the, the zombie film called Colin, I think, that was it. 
that was the cheapest film ever made. I think he made it for a budget of under twenty-eight dollars. I think it was. Yeah, and it's it's, I thought it was not too bad, but I think he knows a lot of people in the industry. Do you know what I mean? But it's a watchable film. It's impressive for for that that base cost. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. It's only twenty dollars for doing a job for free. That so if he actually, you know, that's the thing. That's why it's crazy. It's like you know the idea that with it. Rodriguez shot El Mariachi, you know, for you know Woody Harvey, a Winnebago, a turtle, and a guitar. So that's what he basically filmed. He made his whole film around, and, you know, shot of like ten grand or something like that, and then made El Mariachi. But then there's all these people helping that aren't getting paid. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Even clerks, you know, made for like what twenty eight k or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, twenty seven k. But that the clerks that you've seen for twenty seven k is not the clerks that you saw in the cinema or we saw on DVD. It's been you know they spent a shit ton of money when once it was bought by someone. To make that film watch it tied it up and yeah add a soundtrack to it and adr it and things like that so the 27k version it's on the blu-ray that i've got and it's not unwatchable but it's definitely a very different sort of experience to watching the, yeah, the really strange we're all used to seeing yeah i need to look out for that actually that's intriguing i'm, I'm intrigued now you you've yeah. piqued my curiosity so really the, the films that you see bought very very cheap at festivals are the films that we all, we all see. You know, even yeah. the Florida project, it was touched up and things like that, you know, to make it, you know, more palatable to an audience and things like that. You know, adding songs and stuff to it, adding a bit. soundtrack is a big thing. I uh, just told Umber Studios afterwards to be like, we'll buy it, but we're going to fix it. And... We, well, we're not going to. Ah, we're going to do it. We're going to make it so an audience can feel. It's not yeah. going to. We don't want to play it to play to ten people. It's got to play to at least ten thousand people, not ten people. You know? Yeah, I did that. That's interesting, sir. I did. I did not notice. So there you go. This is um, educational. Education for you, Colby. <laughs> um, well, let's go to the cinema and call. Let's go and watch some stuff at the cinema. Okay? Some cinema viewing tray. Okay. So we'll keep the main one for the end because I know we want, well, we'll leave that to you to the end because I know that's when you want to talk about it in a big bad way. Um, yeah, I do. I do. I but let's talk about Missing first of all. Have you seen this I've film? I've not. So Missing is a follow-up to Searching. Searching. Yeah, yeah. So I know of it. Um, I'm. I think I'm going to go and see this one because I really yeah. enjoyed the first one. So yeah, so it's directed by Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick, who who I wonder if Will Merrick is in relation to uh, Thingy Merrick, the Elephant Man. I wonder. Possibly, it's maybe it's maybe maybe a more common name than we think. Also, you think yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, anyway it's their debut, <laughs> um, but they were the editors of the original Searching, the the, the first film. Right, okay. And right. so probably puts them in good stead because it's like the, the, the big part of that film is how it's pieced together. You know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's all through your screens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the plot of this one, it's, it's, it's not a sequel to Searching. It's just the same premise idea of Searching. It's not um, in any way connected to Searching. Just the conceit of how they play the film out is the same as Searching. Um, and this one, is, it's a young girl. It's her mum goes on holiday with her, um, her new um, boyfriend. Um, and then she goes missing. Um, well on holiday and this sends the daughter into a panic you know to find out where her mum went what happened to her mum how can she get you know her mum's like in I think it's in Colombia or somewhere like that so she yeah, yeah. the daughter's in America so it's getting information to, from you know from people in, in Colombia and trying to be smart about how she can go about getting it well all the obviously do via Skype and yeah, Zoom yeah. So, so it's always on a screen isn't it somewhere you're watching the whole film is played through this screen you know through webcams and you know TikToks and everything yeah. like that. So, so it has to be seen on the screen for it to be sort of edited into the film. Um, in the film, you've got <coughs> Storm Reed plays the main girl. Um, she's in a wrinkle in time, and she's also plays a girlfriend in The Last of Us. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so said yeah. that. And um, you've got Neil Long, King Ling from Old and Lost, uh, Tim Griffin, and Amy Landecker. So um, it's, it's it's not a, a well-known cast. Probably Storm Reed is the biggest. Um, Name in it based on what she's been doing um, more recently. recently. Yeah, yeah. And she does really well in this in the league because she's pretty much on screen the, the entire film because she's sort of it's all played through her phone, her computer. And yeah. um, so if she's not on screen, it's her voice that's playing it, and she got she's basically got to carry the emotional weight of it. In much the same way that John Cho was John Cho, yeah, yeah. He he carried the weight of searching for yeah. the whole film. So it kind of lives and dies on their performance and how how believable they can make reacting to things just saying because they're reacting to like sort of phone calls coming in and sort of yeah. like, see something for the first time and things like that so they've got to play that and um, what i did like was like obviously I said the same conceit as everything's been played through a screen it's all editing and letting into its life to do that but the idea like the first one was about a dad trying to find his daughter and so he's the dad who has no idea how the fuck to work mm. 
social media and the Facebooks and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this one, she's a teenager. She's like 17, I think she's like 18, 19. She's very savvy she knows yeah she's got all the accounts for everything yeah yeah she knows how to uh, you know if she wants to bring it into her dad's account how to figure his way around it you know how to do that kind of stuff and, and figure all that kind of stuff different way of viewing it and different way of working at it um it is edited within an inch of its life which is in a way good it keeps the story propelled yeah it's moving here yeah yeah david just sitting watching a screen for like 90 minutes does make you go well, that sounds horrendous aye aye yeah you've got to have a a way of kind of keeping it engaging, yeah. Ah, and I thought Seth's done a good job of that as well. And this one does very much the same, keeps you, keeps you very much interested in it. Um, <coughs> it's definitely like a film for the podcast generation because it's like every kind of like 10 minutes ends with a moment of you, of you think it's all going to fall apart and it's like, but we just found this one more piece of evidence, you know, the way the way every podcast episode yeah. almost is, is yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, that kind of it'll probably appeal to that kind of that kind of people's mindset of like when they're watching things. Um, it does wrap up a little bit too conveniently and quickly, and there's always that thing of why is everyone always still got their phones on? You know, like why you still get the camera on when you're yeah. you know, that thing. So you've got to kind of you know accept. suspend disbelief and buy into the story's got to progress, and this is how we need to do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I guess it's like 90 minutes long. I, I enjoyed it for what it is, and I thought it was a, it was a decent, well-done kind of thriller, essentially. You know, it's, kind of, it's a teen-based thriller, but it's definitely a thriller. From, from yeah, yeah def- definitely. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the first one. I'm intrigued to see this one, so I will make my way along to the cinema next week, I think, and try and catch it in. Um, yes. Out of the 10, so what are you going to give us? I'll give it a 7 out of 10. 7 movie, movie of the week so far. Movie of the week so far. Um Let's move on to the next one that might be movie week. Let's move on to you went and seen something I didn't know you had any interest in until recently, which is you're a massive fan of the Three Musketeers. The Three Musketeers, D'Artagnan. Yes, um, so this is a to French see. take on their classic heroes, essentially. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so yesterday afternoon, this was my venture. Uh, I, yeah, I loved Musketeers from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Every, every decade brings out their Musketeer films, and I'm a massive fan. Um so I went to see this all excited and happy that there was another Musketeer swab out there and God, it was boring, sir. This is directed by Martin Bourboulon yep. who directed a film called Eiffel this, like last year. It was one about the Eiffel Tower getting built, which apparently was much the same. But they, 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 I mean, they could be quite interesting, made it quite dull. Um, he's done a film called Divorce French Style, which I think sounds very sexy. Um, and he does one called Daddy or Mommy um, as well. So He's, he's could, done some work. Could, could also be sexy. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> um, so what's the what's the premise of this film? What's the um, idea behind it? It's the the, the three musketeers. The, the, they're on an adventure. So D'Artagnan joins the musketeers, hooks up with the three most famous ones, and basically they're on a, an adventure to stop the evil evil Cardinal Richelieu from stealing power from the French monarchy and imposing the Catholic Church as well. Really? I thought D'Artagnan would be the most famous of the musketeers. No, in my mind. He, no, he joins him. He he's like the kind of pivotal character, but he joins the musketeers. So it start his, his starts out with him going to be a musketeer, and then his adventures kind of fuel the story from there. Um, so he kind of joins so, the three. Tanya is played by Francois Civil, who I've never seen in anything, but he's a handsome fella. He's, he's got yeah, like very a kind handsome of, man. Yes. Yeah, a kind of almost Ethan Hawke's handsomeness about him. Yeah, not, not so yeah. 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 He's in a film called As Above, So Below. Have you I've heard, I've heard of it, I haven't seen it. Yeah. 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 Vincent um, Cassell in it as well, Romain Duris, Pio Marmai, and of course, they're always lovely, they're always amazing, Eva Green. Um, hmm. as I, know. Who, so, I think he's a fluent French speaker, from, from what I believe. Um, she is French, that's why. Yeah, all right, and yeah, she's flawless in this, she's perfect. Um, it, was, it was very boring. Um, the thing that I've always enjoyed about the Musketeer films is they're fun. It's almost like it's, the, it's the Pirates of the yeah, Pirates yeah. Caribbean. It's lots of big set pieces, lots of daft adventures, and you know nonsense in between. Um, this film went really serious. You know, it's, it's like you know, let's make the Musketeers, but you know, make it really dark and gritty and serious. The and, Batman beginning the Musketeers basically. Yeah, pretty much. And I kept waiting for the fun, the humour, and I think there is humour there, but I think it's a humour that doesn't translate well across the the water. Um, do you know what I mean? So no, I think no, there's no. definitely there's a kind of French sly humour there that I kind of got a wee bit, but it just didn't tickle me at all. Um, it just came across as really, really, really serious and rigid and 
let's not have any fun. So they're, they're doing all the swashbuckling, like sword fights and jumping horses and stuff like that. But it's like so straight laced. I mean, it's like this. That, this should be exciting. I mean, it's it's not. It's I, I don't know. See, we talk about Lost in Translation. I wasn't going to mention this film this week because um, um, I didn't really fit in anywhere. But I watched a film this week um, called Cop Secret. Okay. Which is a, an Icelandic um, action cop, like cop thriller. Right. But it's kind of a spoof, but not a spoof. Um, it's directed by the guy. It's actually directed by the Icelandic goalkeeper. Um, this is what he does. He's, he's like he's a film director in in his spare time. He plays in goals for Iceland's Icelandic yes. football team. Um, <laughs> I never thought I'd hear that in a conversation. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So they apparently made this spoof trailer up of like what an action film in Iceland would look like, and apparently the trailer got big hits in like YouTube and so they eventually made a film around this. Hmm. And there's bits of that film that feel like again it's supposed to be funny. Hmm. But I think maybe it's funny to people in Iceland because they get the joke, they get maybe the reference, maybe they get the, the, the take on the humour. Yeah. That when it comes over here, you go, I don't really get that's why that's. That's the, that that's the thing. Where this is, you're with the, the French. Yeah, there, you, you, well. know, you know it's a joke, it, but you're just not sure kind of where it lands with you. Like, I don't, I yeah. don't know why it's funny. Do you know what I mean? I kind of get that it should be and I can see why it's in there, but I. Just don't get it, maybe. Action set pieces and such like, were they um, well done? They were well done. They were quite kind of fast, you know what I mean? And, and quite kind of, you know, swinging those swords about and stuff like that. And all there was none of this back and forward and parry thrust and all there was kind of going for it and stuff like that. So it was quite kind of, yeah, well choreographed action, but again, just so, so serious. Like, and, and the old films, it's like the action bits are like, Paris Garabin, they look fun, do you know what I mean? It's like swinging about in ropes and, you know, doing outlandish things where I say, this is very <laughs> grounded and dirty and. You know we're fighting and that's it. There's there's no you know show me somebody jumping off a fucking windmill and landing on their horse and galloping away. Do you know what I mean? It was just missing. It, it does sound very much like this Batman Begins. I know Batman Begins been out for a long, long time now, but that kind of like making the heroes yeah. real. You know, is it happened when like Robin Hood came out? Um, yeah, yeah, it does. You know, we're all used to Robin Hood being like sort of like his merry men and just done about forest, and then all of a sudden Russell Crowe did it, and it was like. Holy shit, it's a depressing Robin Hood. Aye, totally. Real life was shit for Robin Hood. I don't want to fucking see it. This Aye. is the same, do you know what I mean? It's just... It, I was looking forward to it as well, but uh, sadly, it never it never got me. I gave it a four out of ten. Four. Four out of ten, sir. Yeah, it was just so boring. And, but there, there's a second one coming out as well, so this is part one. I don't know. So you seem to think they're always going to follow another member of the... Must I, 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 that makes sense to me, yeah, yeah. Or the the villain, like, like must, the three musketeers, Richelieu or something like that, do you know what I mean? Or yeah. my something like that, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, disappointed. Um, annoyingly so, because I, I was really, really excited for this one. I wanted to. I'm just more amazed that D'Artagnan isn't a main musketeer. I, I just assumed he was. Well, it does because it's it's the three musketeers initially, and then he becomes the fourth musketeer. Yeah. So what's the book called? Uh, the Three Musketeers. Does someone die in it that makes it back mm-hmm. to three? No, because it's that D'Artagnan's not a musketeer at the start. He, so becomes, only, he, he becomes a musketeer, yeah. So at the start, he's not, he's just D'Artagnan, he wants to be a musketeer. So he he joins in, he becomes buddy with the three musketeers, and they become the four musketeers. Yeah. Your knowledge of the musketeers is quite surprising, <laughs> Colin, I won't lie. It's, uh, this is taking me aback by how much the musketeers you know. I oh, did. I, I grew up with everything like that, pirates and all that as well. I film swashbuckling and sword and sandals, and I grew up with that stuff. I love it so yeah, much. It's, it's great. It's, it's, it's the depth of your knowledge of the musketeers is more surprising than anything else. Um, well, speaking of underwhelming action films, let's move on to one that's on Apple Plus. Um, and that's a film called Ghosted, um, directed by Dexter Fletcher. Um, oh, ever Dexter. Big, we're big fans of Dexter. We are big fans of Dexter. Um, I, thought I thought Dexter it, was American for the first fucking ten years of my life because he'd done Press Gang, and I thought he was American. You know, you know he's, he's the guy who does McDonald's commercials. I know, but back then, I'd, I'd only ever seen him in Press Gang, so I was like, it's an American boy, then I seen him doing something, I think it was Elephant Man or something, and I'm like, he's not fucking American, he's fucking... Yeah. Yeah, one of us. Does like Wild Bill and stuff like that and things like that. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah, Dexter Fletcher are definitely not American, probably the most un-American man you've Could have said for the acting role in fucking that TV show, that was, um, yeah. Yeah, man, it's a lot of work. So, um, as a director, he's well known for doing things like Eddie the Eagle, um, which I really enjoyed, Eddie the Eagle. Um, you saw yeah. there? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I could hear, yeah, I could hear you. Carry on, dude. Cool. He did Rocket Man. Yep. Uh, and he also did, uh, well, not your favourite, one of my very big favourites, which is um, Sunshine on Leaf. Um, so he did that as well. So that, that's his sort of his, his repertoire so far, of, of which all of them I am a pretty big fan, but I'm a huge fan um, of Sunshine on Leaf. So I went into this film quite excited about it, you know, because I'm, I'm a big fan of what of what um, Dick Fletcher can bring to the screen. Um, so plot of this one, it's a meet-cute between a... Two insanely attractive people. Um, they meet at a farmer's market. Um, they hook up. Everything seems to be going well. And then she ghosts him. And in an act of, to be completely romantic, he decides to go to London to meet her um, and finds out that when he gets there, she's actually a secret agent. She works with CIA. Then it's because adventure as the CIA. The, the baddies think that he's the, the CIA guy. So they're trying to hunt him. She's got to protect him. And at the same time, they're going to try and stop the world from ending. That's essentially the film plot. Yeah. So in Ghosted Calls It, we've got insanely attractive people. We've got Anna de Armas, who plays mm. this, the main CIA agent. Um, the person she ghosts is Chris Evans. Um, you've also got Adrian Brody playing the sort of titular bad guy. John Cho pops up in it, surprisingly. Oh, um, John Cho. Yeah. You've got Tate Donovan, um, Amy Sedaris, and Mike Moore as well. So That's quite a cool cast, actually. It's not yeah, too bad at all. Said, yeah. My love for Sunshine and Leaf is such that I will give Dexter Fletcher every opportunity to do anything that he wants to do because I will I adore that film in a way that's sort of it's very hard to say exactly how much I love that film. Um, oh, do you know what pops up in this film as well for literally a one scene cameo? Yeah. Um, there's other cameos that I won't get into, but there's one that you will put like Bum Gorman pops up in it as a Cockney cabbie. That's it, just come and go don't that. <laughs> yeah, every every film should do that, just have Bum yeah. Gorman pop up just to do something like your normal like oh just yeah. on them pizza delivery there you go this is at, at best passable at worst formulaic action thriller you know it's oh. like it feels like a movie that's been made by execs rather than a creative team yeah. it's it's a chat gpt script it feels like you know it's like what can we do right well, let's get these two people together because everyone loves them. They're all they're in the good screen chemistry, apparently. And we'll make a film around that. And that sense, it doesn't really seem there's much thought into it. It's just right. It's like taking, it's taking like two things you love, put them together, and thinking it'll make something you like. But sometimes you can't put like you know custom steak pies. You know sure I mean, you can. sometimes it's you know you have to separate these yeah. things. Yeah, it's just like these two are these are popular actors just now. Let's make a movie with them. But yeah. why? But why? Do you mean yeah. someone's why? said yeah. why? Yeah. yeah. Why? Um, so that's the that's the biggest problem with this film. There is there was a rumor that the Armis and Evans weren't even on set together for most of this film. Like it was all shot like sort of two shots from behind and things like that, or it was shot split screen almost. So it looks yeah. like the same. It's a composite shot, and apparently that's not true. That they put out there, it's apparently they were on set together. But see me watch this, you would fucking believe they were not on Just set together. Ice cold. Oh, there is like no chemistry between them whatsoever. Even like there's a scene when they first meet and it's like the flirtation scene, and I'm going like I, honestly, you would think that like there's absolutely nothing there whatsoever. But then they're all everyone's running in the screen going, oh, there's such chemistry, there's such hotness between them. Going, there was nothing there. there, there. So there's like, not. Which is surprising because <gasps> both of them are, are can act. Do you know what I mean? Take the really like, switch it on. Um, it's... She can. I don't know if Chris Evans is a good actor. <laughs> I've seen him in a few things. He's all right. He's not too bad. He's not got a lot of range. I'll give you. I'll give you that. Aye, he's, he's a bit, yeah, a bit straight, a bit straight laced, a bit, a bit kind of yeah, poor face, a bit kind of a wee bit dull to be honest. He's like, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. No, no, I totally. get why he would play Cap. Like Cap's a kind of dull guy. Yeah, he's he's like the kind of you know fucking all good, all clean living American, and it's like yeah, 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 yeah totally. He's a bit, aye, he's, he reminds me of like sort of like he's almost he's just giving stock answers to things. And it felt it felt a bit dull. So yeah. So because of that, there's no vested interest in like, do you want the relationship to work out or anything like that? Because you know, well, eventually this is the way the film goes, you know. But do you care? No, because there's like nothing to really get behind. Yeah. Uh, oh no. It tries to bring into bring energy into it with a series of like cameos from their famous friends, mm. um, and like sort of quick succession. Which I give you, it was funny at the time, but it felt, and I thought, when, that just felt again, like, 
Studio Execs chat GPT in this and going, right, how can we get people to be interested in it? Oh, let's put Chris Evans next to someone who he may or may not have been in a film starring with the title Avenger in it, you know, and that'll make it interesting. And it's like, it, it, it doesn't. kind of needs more than that. Yeah. Um, and it feels like that's what these guys are now doing. It seems almost like every film that these certain actors in, because Ryan Reynolds in certain films as well, and Hugh Jackman's in other films as well, where <coughs> they just call a famous friend for like a one-scene cameo yep. in order to sort of almost sell the film. Yeah, it doesn't have any artistic merit. It doesn't add to yeah. the film other than that famous person's in it. No, I get you. Okay. You know what I mean? Which sometimes it works. Do you know what I mean? Like when you get like Patrick Stewart popping up and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, if it's, but yeah, if it's lazy, it's just, uh, as it's like, why? Do you know what I mean? Give us a purpose yeah. as well. Yeah, okay. Like, I thought the cameo and for example, but have you seen Bullet Train? Yeah. And they had um, Channing Tatum as the other American. Yeah. yeah. I thought that cameo worked really. It was, it was very well played, very funny. And Speaking of Channing Tatum, you what you see the chemistry that he and Sandra Bullock had in that what was it, Lost Kingdom? Yeah, yeah. Fucking a Lost City or something was it called Lost, Lost City. Oh, the Lost City here was. Yeah. yeah. They two looked like they wanted to fuck. Mm. You, you got a sense that there was a, there was at least a chemistry there between the two of them. There was nothing between these two, which made it really difficult to solve. Yeah, yeah, and it seems because I don't thought I had armors would have chemistry with pretty much a brick wall. Yeah, so how but how can the studio not see this when they're making it? Obviously, they're, they're watching this shit back. Do you know what I mean, what, what's going on? They, they can't well, see this. They've got, they figure they've got Anna Armist, they've got Chris Evans, that sells the film itself. No one really cares. Is that, that's enough. It's, which is, it's not, man. You can't just throw famous people together and make a, do you know I mean, a, a, a hit movie. It's, that's no. annoying, man. That, that sounds bad. Okay, um, the action scenes were decent enough from what they had. Nothing like too like groundbreaking. A nice one like a, 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 a running down a chase down a mountain, which I really quite enjoyed. It, they were good until like the CGI green screen became so apparent that it was almost like you could just done a green screen, you made it green, and it looked less yeah, obvious. Yeah, to, to, uh, the reviews I've read for this have been pretty scathing. Yeah, it's a it's a proper shame because. There is something there, and like I said, I'm a big fan of what Dexter Fletcher does. Like, you know, I really like what Dexter Fletcher can do as a, as a director, mm. and he's shown himself to be a very competent director of what he does. Yeah. You know, and this it just felt there was nothing that made it feel like what he brought to it. Because I think a big part of his film is he always brings a real kind of human heart to it. You know, with Sunshine and Leaf, there's a lot of heart in that film. Mm. Eddie the Eagle is just all heart as well. Yeah. And then even Rocket Man, he, he taps into a real kind of heart of the Elton John character, a character who. We all think we know, but if you find another way into that character, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in this, I don't like. There was, I thought there was just no heart in it whatsoever. Nothing really interesting at all. So very oh, let down, Mike Colin. Out of ten, sir. How let down? Probably go. If I was being nice, I'd probably say five, but I think it's more a four. Four. Oh, that's that's not good. I'm not. I'm not going to watch it because we'll nah, it's on Apple, think. so I won't watch it anyway. Yeah, you're, you're, no one can see it anyway. It's only me four. <laughs> <coughs> I want to watch it. Um, and before we get to the one horror film, we get to, we'll get go through a, the first horror film, which is one that's been out for us at cinema for at least a couple of months now, I think. But it's still it's still hanging on and it's still there. So I finally got to go and see it, and that was the continuation of the Scream franchise with Scream Six. Scream Six. I'm excited. I've, so, I've missed this in the cinema. I've not got to see it yet, and it's after the last Scream. I'm excited. Yes. And the, the reviews for this are like just making me like. Oh, anticipation and I've still not got into seeing it so sir sell me make me go and see yes. it so directed by Matt uh, <laughs> Bettinelli Alpin and Tyler Gillette um, who did Scream 5 or Scream depending how you want to mm. market it sell it yeah. um, and also the directors behind Ready or Not a film we, we both very both much enjoyed, enjoyed yeah. as well yeah. um, so the plot of this one is they're relocated from Woodsboro they're in college they're in New York um, again the killing start and you don't really need to know much more than that. That's yeah. The that's the whole point. I scream is you know opens yeah. with a killer and you know that's yeah. that started. Yeah, yeah. You've got the you've got the main um, character is still struggling with the idea that she's the daughter of Billy Lomas. Yeah. So that is again getting played into it a little bit, and you've got the sister dynamic and the friends dynamic as well. But essentially, it's it's a scream movie. You know, you're getting a scream film. It's it's yeah. yeah, yeah the, the person, the people have been haunted in the past by a ghost face killer. I've been haunted again by a ghost face killer. Yep. Yep. In an annoying yeah. way. In an annoying. Very much so, yeah. Movies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something funny, but Courtney Cox is sort of the legacy character who comes back. 
you've got Jenna Ortega, who is very hot at this moment in time. She's definitely the sort of the it girl at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Kids favourite. Melissa Barrera um, pops up in it as well. She plays like the Billy Loomis's daughter character yep. from the first one. You've got Delmont Mulroney playing oh. the um, police chief. You get Tony Revolori play the character. He's a guy from Dope who was also in Spider-Man The Flash. Yeah, you got you. Flash. Yeah. Um, Jasmine Savoy Brown. She played like the kind of in the last few films. She played the movie geek, the proper like sort of who yeah. I really dug. I think she's yeah. awesome. Um, Hayden Pantiera pops up in it as well. She uh, coming back from Scream Four. She four, plays an FBI yeah. agent now. She's back in it as well. Um, and also popping up in the Drew Barrymore role in this one is um, Samara Weaving. All oh, right, okay, cool. Yeah, that's pretty nice because obviously yeah, they're directing and writing a lot and stuff like that. And yeah, nice she's like kind of scream queen as well now, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, definitely. So that's it's a nice wee, nice wee thing. Babysitting and stuff like that. And um, she's got her own accent in this, which is very rare to hear her do her own accent. It's Australian, isn't she? Some the Aussie girl, yeah. yeah it's yeah. quite odd to hear her do the. Because, yeah, it's basically Marvel <laughs> Robbie's couple, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's the, there's been a cloning experiment done on the Gold Coast <laughs> at some point in the, the 1990s. It's, it's churned out some arrow weaving in Marvel Robbie. They've escaped from um, they both escaped from the lab. No. Yeah. Um, so, <coughs> this is a very enjoyable continuation of the franchise. Um, I've had a really enjoyable, fun time with this. It is a screen movie, it is very hard, yeah. um, which I thought was important. Um, I love the location switch to take it from like you know Woodsbrook is pretty much a rural kind of like you know small town. Couple of houses again. in the college, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> Obviously they've moved it before. They moved it to um, uh, the college, like it was like a, like a big college at one point, mm. but I still felt quite contained town. Yeah. Um, yeah. To Hollywood, but again that felt again contained. This this feels big because like it's New York, you know it feels like you know anything can happen because you're in the big big city the essentially. Big so I've yeah. dug yeah like. You know, people everywhere. You've got subways. You get everything's everything's going on. So I really enjoyed that. Um, cast are excellent. They're all they're all very good. Particularly Jasmine Savoy Brown playing the movie geek. I thought she the way she does a whole series. She lays down the rules of what the sequel, requel. Because like, like we're not in a sequel, we're not in a requel. We're now in a franchise, and this is how we do it. This is the franchise. <laughs> so they're, it's, it's, it does what Scream has done, always done very well. Just it's very knowing. It knows yeah. what it is. It just, yeah. It, it, it almost every character almost knows they're in a movie yeah. in a way yeah so they're, they're playing to those roles and, it, and it, I, I really enjoy that meta kind of take on I think this is something that Craven would have enjoyed as well yeah so yeah because that was his original really, vision wasn't it it was so yeah. in and meta even back then that it's, it still knows what it is as good yeah yeah so I think he would have how dare he would get down on that um, Melissa Barrero she, she, Barrero sorry she starts to sort of become a bigger role in this as the, the Billy Lomas's daughter thing and she probably is the main character she has a lot of screen time and it's sort of the, the whole kind of film does kind of pivot more around her she's yeah. sort of almost taking on the nev campbell aspect of the character she's like taking on that role which meant a little bit the biggest thing was for me that general take a little bit sidelined yeah she just becomes like almost like friend next to her you know, a little bit rather than being like sort of, I felt like a more fleshed out character, which I thought was a bit of a shame because I think she's a great actress and she's yeah, got yeah. a real presence and everything. So, a bit, a bit gutted that she wasn't the sort of didn't have as much to do, but um, maybe in the next one I'll sort of pivot again. Yeah, um, but they all breathe real energy in their characters, they all feel like they belong in the universe, they don't feel stale, um, they feel part of the world but they also feel they've moved it on as well it's not like it doesn't feel like an old man writing young kids or younger people in a, in a franchise that makes sense you know it's, yeah. it feels off now um the connectives of i would say is like courtney cox feels tacked on yeah yeah she's Her, she's not the same presence she once was definitely she she still plays gail really well but she still has an absolute ownership of the gail well mm. character but if you take her out the film it doesn't change it at all. At all. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. You know, she would, her, her role within, whereas there's other legacy characters in the first one, or no, Scream, Scream, Scream 5, yeah. something happens to legacy characters like that has real repercussions. It feels, it really changes yeah. the, the sort of aspect of the film. Um, this doesn't, she doesn't feel as, as important as that. Um, I would say possibly Ned Campbell's a miss. I know she'd had her fallen out with the producers over mm. um, the wooden pair properly. Um, which well done for the sector guns yeah, and not totally. coming back just to yeah. back. Um, 
But again, I feel maybe I don't know where she would have fitted in in this story. What her, right. unless she was going to play the Pantera role. Yeah, yeah, so maybe she would have played. Bit, it, she's... Yeah, so and I do feel it's a bit like seeing a, a Halloween film with Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, it it feels there is something to be a bit missing because you do yeah. you need that sort of the make the kind of pivot around it, you know. So, um, but even at that, I still really enjoyed it. Um, How is it gory? Is, is it gory? Was good. There's a lot of good yeah. gore in it. Yeah. Um, the kills are like they're they're decent. There's they're some really sort of like ones that make you kind of wince and, and sort of um like look away from the screen a little bit, and it and it, it plays well with it. Yeah, so good. and it gets pretty much more and more unhinged towards the end as it goes. Um. I did call the killer really early on. Like, fucking... I think it's very obvious. Yeah. Jill didn't quite get it from the early part. But, like, I called it fucking... Almost... Seconds not quite in, away. like, credits. Not then. seconds in, but the moment it happens in the film, and I went... And I said to Jill, that's... Something's going to happen later on, and that'll be important. Yeah. And I was almost bang on for who the killer was. Cool. One of the, yeah. yeah, part of it you'll probably see coming a mile away. There's another part of it I think is also pretty obvious, but it didn't detract from yeah, the enjoyment I had yeah. from watching it. Um, so no, I, I, if I'm a fan, the screams are sort of the the horror franchise I grew up on. You know, yeah. like Halloween was before I was, you know, came out yeah, before I was old my time, yeah. yeah. Whereas so screams like my like sort of horror franchise, and I've I've kind of enjoyed all the scream films. Yeah, um, I'm the same as you. Yeah. Yeah. To a lesser or greater degree, it's like, so like Scream 1 I think is an absolute masterpiece. I think Scream 2 is yeah. a great movie as well. Yeah. To be informed, I'm not denying, do dip a little bit. But they're still watchable. They're both yeah. so watchable. All watchable. Yeah. 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 Um, out of 10, I'm sir. First. 8 out of 10. Oh, movie of the week by, by yeah. two points, I believe. Well, so far, yeah. So yeah. I, I really dug it. I think you'll, I think you'll dig it as well. I think yeah, you'll really love it. As well. I really want to go and see it. And I need to because it's, it's dropping off now. There's only a few showing, so it's either next week or never until it comes on Netflix. And I think well. it's um, it's hitting streaming services in America, so that usually a sign that it won't be um, hanging around our cinemas for much. Yeah, much I long. will try and pick it up during the week, sir. That's my my plan. As we've got quote from one that let's move on to the last film called one that you've seen. I've not seen it yet because I've not had a chance and forced to get to cinema to see this one. And that is Evil Dead Rise. Cool. So right. I'll do it, I'll do a wee light one on this because I want to get your input as well. I don't want to spoil it and stuff like that. So we'll keep it light touch. Directed by light touch. So directed by Lee Cronin, who we mm. done that film a hole in the ground, wasn't it? Yeah, he yeah. also wrote it. Um yeah. Rainey, Tapper and Campbell are just producers on this yep. film, I believe. Um so I've got the, the the IMDb says it's a twisted tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh possessing demons thrusting them into primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of a family imaginable. Um, I think this is from what, going just from the trailer. They've done a little bit what Scream's done. They've taken it out of the cabin, out of the woods, and have stuck it in yeah, the middle of a major stuck city. it in the big city, but it's still contained though within a block. Yeah, so they've, they've done very smart. Much, we, we weren't happy with that at first. Yeah, we were like, not you know, so dead. Yeah, but it, but it is. It, it, it's, it's in the city, but it's all in a couple of rooms. You know what I mean, so it's quite clever. Right, you know, okay. you're in a big place, but they've still managed to keep it small. But you don't feel that anymore, so it's clever. Okay. Um, that this feels evil dead. It, it feels That's like good. evil dead. Yeah. Um, had a lot of fun. Are we this, talking Evil Dead One or Evil Dead Two? How what, what Evil, evil Dead? Evil like? Dead One. It, it's, it's still a bit more serious than it should be. So it's definitely Evil right. Dead One. Um, evil Dead Two is just fucking comedy gold. But um, yeah, one because Evil Dead One people forget. Yeah, evil Dead One's like a serious film. People forget that it's like quite a serious horror. There's a few like kind of nods and winks, but it's quite a creepy, scary horror movie. It's mean? played straight. I mean, that's the one with the like the the rape scene and things. Yeah, like yeah. Tree rape yeah. Scene and it's sort of like it's got all the all that kind of stuff in it. So yeah, Evil Dead One is a straight out gory fuck with you horror. Yeah, nasty, nasty horror film. And and nasty, this nasty this kind of get, gets it. Banned yeah. in the video nasties. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this gets it. And it's got it's going for that. Um, I think outstanding pieces. I, I don't want to spoil. So I want to talk to you about it. Um, is that the actress playing the mum? Wow, mm-hmm. she, she she's um she she's designed to be a date, put it that way. She she's meant yeah, to be in a role. She's fucking brilliant. Biggest problem I had with this was um pretty much everything is in the trailer. That they've kind of right. just they've just put it all in the fucking trailer. There's not a lot in it that's not in the trailer in terms of 
what you're expecting, what you're going Prizes for. Prizes or anything, there's nothing that jumps out that's different that maybe made yeah. you guy. Sort of one, one or two bits, but yeah, they've just went mental with the trailer with this one, and that was a real shame because I wanted to see kind of more to the film than, than the trailer is, oh. but the trailer does sum up the film perfectly. Um, light and plot, I mean, basically, yeah, the, the, the deadites are back, they're doing their shit, that, that's pretty much the plot. That's what Evil Dead 2 is as well. Yeah, exactly, that's all. It's just I possessed you, how you're going to survive, that, that, that's it, and it gets to the bones of it like within 15 minutes, so it doesn't labour at all, it moves at a pace, and within 15 minutes you know exactly the situation, the setting, and what's got to happen, so, I mean, so you're straight in, straight in with it. But um, good fun, it, it, like I said, the fact that it feels Evil Dead, I've kind of picked up on some of the effects and stuff like that for the first one, and some of some remayisms, I want to say, is the only way to kind of put them, I guess. And they're, well, they're kind of pulling on that well, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that. that like, so I think Raimi was trying to take a back seat and not like feel that the BI had to do him. You know, he wanted Cronin to do his own version of the Evil Dead. Yeah. But I think from what I've read, Cronin's a massive fan of Evil Dead 2 and like obviously, particularly Evil Dead 2. Yeah. So the camera work in Evil Dead 2 is absolutely insane for what they were doing in that film. So. I think there's, and it shows you how dynamic Raimi can be with a camera. So I think every horror director is in some way influenced by Raimi. what Raimi did in that film. You know, yeah. so there is a, so you can, uh, the, 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 the quick zooms, the pans, the quick cuts and the, all that kind of stuff. It's, it, it's not just part of Evil Dead, it's part of horror lexicon now. That, yeah, you know, I get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because um, Regal Wright does it. You know, sure. a lot of his films, you know, it's, just, it's part of cinema now. It's, it's became it's, a, a way to film, a way, you know, how do I film this, right, I've come up with this idea where a board, this has become a new thing now, yeah? Yeah. Pardon me, I get it, but no, this was a lot of fun, quite, quite a lot of blood and gore as well, um, nice. and most of the acting cast were good, the mum was good, the sister was good, the kids, yeah. Kids are always tough, though, and it's always tough to come back to being negative on kids, you know, because yeah, they're, they're trying. Young, youngest kid's really good. She, she's good. The other two, I don't know, maybe a few more a few more films under the belt before they're, right, quite, okay. they're quite there yet. But no, I enjoyed it a lot more. I would have gave it a 7 out of 10. Fair enough. Which, I think we've been a bit, both of us have been into a bit in trep, a bit kind of worry because it's, it felt it did feel Evil Dead when I first saw the trailer. Then the second yeah. trailer I saw did look more Evil Dead. Yeah. But then the people who I know who like Evil Dead and are big, like, you know, Rainy fans have said they really enjoyed this film. So yeah. I'm a little bit more hopeful that I will get something from it. De- definitely, you will. And see, when, when you've seen it, we'll speak about it in more detail about what we talked about, how they've kind of captured Rainy and stuff like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into it more because I don't want to spoil anything. That's all. That's cool. All. Um, so nice we'll, we'll leave that there, I think. With that. But seven out of ten from that. I will catch this week because I'm going to go see it on Sunday when the rest of Scotland is watching the old firm game and I will be in an empty cinema watching <laughs> and I'll be very happy. You um, like you've got the better end of that deal, sir. We'll see. Possibly, yes. Um, but on from that call, that is us for this week. Next week, it's quite a quiet week. There's a lot of, we can do a lot of catch up next week. Hopefully, mm. we can get some things watched that we've, we've missed out on. Um, but on Sky Cinema, which is, it's not a Sky Cinema film, it's just on Sky Cinema, we have A Good Person, which is a new Florence Pugh film, which is directed by Zach Braff. Right, okay, yeah, this was in a cinema a few weeks ago, yeah. Yes, right. it got a very limited release, and then it yeah. now, now went to like sort of streaming. So that's okay. out um, this week. Um, we've also got. Big George Foreman. The sort is, that, of the is this a, of, a documentary? Not a biopic, I believe. Right, okay. okay. Big George um, Foreman. It covers both the boxing and the aforementioned The Big Grill. You know, does so, it? Yeah, apparently well, so, yeah. Well, I might want to see this now that you've mentioned it. <laughs> it's uh, you, interesting. You know what George Foreman called all these kids? What? George. Did he? All of them? Even, even the girls. Why the fuck would you do that? Do you mean like... Actors and, and naming, they're, they're an odd lot, aren't they? They just come up with some well, yeah. fucking names for the kids because they can. Also, in the film, we have The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Which I've seen the trailer for a few times and I think it looks sad as fuck. But like, it, it, looks, looks, it looks fucking bleak, to be honest. Yeah, yeah like proper, proper heartbreaking. Um, guess what? I'm going to see him Friday in the cinema. Aliens? Nope. Return nope. of the Jedi? Star oh, Wars, I'm taking in to see it. I'm dead excited. Lovely. So that'll be nice. Big, big screen, Return of the Jedi. I was going to be like a kid all over again. Like, whoa. What's that now? The 40th anniversary of it, or 35th what? or something? 40th, I think it is now. Yeah. 40th it is. Yeah. Still, still one of the best sci-fi's out there. Star Wars. You know, there's, you know, there's a bigger gap now between. I think it was between Jedi and 
Phantom Menace and there is between Phantom Menace and like the Force Awakens. Some like there's like a gap between them. That's it. It's fucking scary as fuck. Scary. Uh, Star Wars has just got to explode over the next couple of years now that Disney's kind of made their announcements and laid their plans and stuff. So yeah. we're going to see a lot of Star Wars. So I'm going to. I remember when I was a kid and saw Jedi, I was, I was very underwhelmed when I saw Jedi. Yeah? Yeah. Did you, what did you see first? What was your first introduction to Star Wars? Star Wars? Was it? Oh, old school. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, well, dad had videotapes and stuff like that. So I remember watching, like, the sort of remastered um, videos. And then, because, like, when Phantom Menace came out, it was 99. I was, like, 14 when that came out. So I'd already, I'd already, I knew of Star Wars. But I'd watched Star Wars beforehand. Is your dad, like, a big fan? He likes Star Wars, but he's more a Trek fan. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm much the same. I think I'm more of Trek than Star Wars, to be honest. But if it came down to a fight, I would probably pick Trek over Star Wars. Oh, I'd Star Wars all the way. I love Trek, but Star Wars 100. Trek is still got the best movie out of all of them. If I can. Yes. Oh, Empire Strikes Back. Original Star Wars. No. Oh, discussion for another day, sir. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three beers in the movie. We're on Gmail. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And we're also on Twitter as well. Um, all you celebrities, your blue ticks are safe. Don't worry. It's okay. Um, a million like a million followers or more and you're safe, Colin. We do not have a blue tick because of that. Well, <laughs> and we ain't paying for one either. So. We ain't paying for one either. We are not that guy. De- definitely not. Uh, I've been Colin, you've been Richard, and we've...